turn with me to three places when you sit down. You may be seated again. Now turn with me to three places, just three verses, but um, in order, Psalm 40, we're going to look at verse 8, Luke 17 and John 15, so Psalm is about smack in the middle of your Bible, pretty easy to find. Some Bibles are, some, some books of the Bible are not easy to find, right? Like, where is Hosea? I've heard of it, you know, is it in there? Psalms about the middle, Psalm 40, Luke 17, and John 15. And of course, Luke and John are back to back, so if you know where the Gospels are, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. But starting with Psalm 40 and just this one verse. Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will. Oh my God, and your law is written within my heart. Your law is within my heart. I delight to do your will. This is David speaking and writing. Turn now over to Luke 17.5. We move from David, a man after God's own heart, to the disciples who are following the Lord, although they're called the apostles here, which they'll all become apostles. Psalm 17, I mean, Luke 17, verse 5. And the, apostle, and the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. You ever prayed that? Yeah. Increase our faith. I pray it a lot. So it's a prayer that I've prayed thousands of times, I think. And then last, John 15, verse 11. John 15, verse 11. This is a passage that I've meditated on a lot. Uh, chapter 14 through 17, last couple of years here. John 15, verse 11, Jesus speaking uh, again to the apostles. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Would you like to delight in the Lord? Would you like to have more faith? Would you like to really be joyful? Not, I know other joyful people, but you be one. The Lord wants that in our life. Let's pray. Father, we just ask this morning for you to speak by your spirit. I ask for your strength. I ask for your help. I ask, Lord, for your anointing. Lord, remove me from the equation that each person, myself included, might hear from you. We pray, Lord, that you would build us, convict us, comfort us, convict us. Whatever. Uh, Lord, just uh, change us. Whatever's needed. You know what's needed in each person. And Lord, I pray that you do that work by your spirits. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're saved, and I hope that you are, but we have people that are watching that are not, or maybe you're here that are not. If you're saved and you live by the Word of God, and you live long enough, you're going to circle back through the Scriptures many, many times. I've worn Bibles out, but I still keep them, by the way. How about you? You, know, you go through them. I can't count how many times I have Read, reread, re-listened to, and ear, my, put my earbuds in, re-underlined, re-prayed the exact same scriptures again and again. The old stuff is the good stuff. Because unlike other things, the Word of God is eternal. It is supernatural. It is powerful. It has a reminder, a reminder effect, but also an encouragement effect. But there's also a newness to it, a freshness to the Word of God for whatever and wherever you're at in life. And so throughout this year, I've been intentionally circling back, whether you noticed or not, I've been intentionally circling back from time to time on things we've studied in the past 6 to 24 months and how the Lord would have us be reminded but reapply these principles. Especially as we look down the corridor of the last four months of 2021. Can you believe that we only have less than four months left now? Years flying by. My life is flying by. How about yours? Yes. Yeah. But we'll begin to see the prophecy series next week, and then we'll get back into our verse-by-verse -verse study on John, and God wants us to learn from all of these things. 
But what the Lord laid on my heart this morning is another one of those bridges from where we've been or where we're at to where the Lord wants to take us individually and collectively. If you're taking notes, you see the title this morning, Walk by Faith. That's not a new concept. Scriptures, scriptures say the just will live by faith. But from duty to delight in Jesus. We'll get into what that means. We finished a whole study on faith in Hebrews. Uh, you guys remember before John, we were in Hebrews. Hebrews, the, the real focus of Hebrews is what? Living by faith. If by God's grace we're alive and breathing, if you're hearing me right now, you are alive and breathing. You may not feel it, you say, I'm barely here. <laughs> but you're alive and breathing. You're here now. His plan for your life, I know this to be true, his plan for your life, his plan for my life, his plan for this church, his plan for the church worldwide, has not changed since the first little church family of Adam and Eve. I never thought of them as a church. Yeah, that's the first little church. That little family. Hasn't changed since then. And here's, it, here's what it is. It is to do the will of God. They were created to do the will of God. Didn't work out that way at the outset, did it? But it's to do His will, and it's to live by faith and belief and to find joy and fulfillment that only God can provide. You can't find it in entertainment or alcohol or whatever it is that you want to do and say, I'm going to find fulfillment there. Sin actually entered because we rejected the commands and provision of God. No, no, no. We, your will sounds pretty good. We want to try this instead. But once we've been saved, God places in our hearts this new desire that comes from the Holy Spirit that we now have a desire to do His will. I can tell you, before I could say, I did not have a desire to do His will. The last place I wanted to be in my early 20s was sitting in church. I lived in Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. I wanted to be at the beach. I got saved, and all of a sudden, I wanted to be at church. No one made me want to be it. It was the Holy Spirit. And I not only had a desire to do that, but to start to do the things that God, I'd see in His Word. I says, I need to do this. I need to do that. We begin to take, take steps of faith, which is trust and belief. And it results in obedience. And we, like the disciples, we recognize that even as we're taking these steps, we actually need help to take the steps. Right? We're taking the steps, asking for help to literally take the steps. Disciples are, we're taking steps of faith, Lord, increase our faith. We need more faith for the steps we're going to be taking and the steps that we are called to be taking. And beyond that, the same Spirit of God placed in our hearts a desire for joy. So we have this desire for joy. It's not a temporary happiness. Like some of you are happy about your football teams. I'm not today. But anyway, <laughs> that's a temporary happiness. But it's an inward delight. No, joy is an inward delight that's not dependent on perfect circumstances. How many of you had a perfect week? Everything went perfect. Every single thing. And we can't even relate to people like in Afghanistan. They can't even laugh at the things we can laugh at. But what the Lord does and what He's done in the saints before us and He desires to do in us is to unify our calling, which is His will, our calling, and we have His will, with our faith, which is trust and obedience, with the force multiplier of joy. Joy. Jesus said, I've come that your joy might be full. John 15, 11. We just read it. That serving him would be a delight, a real delight. But if you're taking notes, I want to start off with this first point. We're only looking at two. It's about our duty. Duty is not a bad thing for the believer. It is a good thing. But duty is reasonable. Do you guys believe that there's certain duties that you should be given in life? 
Most, most people think, if I have kids, I have a duty to provide for them. Or do you think the government should do it? You think everybody else should do it? No, no, you, you recognize that duty is not a bad, duty's a good thing. God gave a stewardship, a duty way back to Adam and Eve. They had to tend the garden. That was their duty. But he wanted it to be their delight. We'll get to that. Duty is reasonable. If someone's serving in the military, there's a term we use to describe their service. We call it active duty. Active duty. Webster's defines duty as this, conduct to parents and superiors, obligatory tasks, conduct, service or functions that arise from one's position, a moral or legal obligation. Obligation. Conduct due. This is the original terms going back to even to parents. So if you apply these definitions to the believer... We understand now that God is our Father. Jesus is our Savior. He's our Master. He's our Shepherd. He's our King. And He has commanded for us in the Great Commission to go tell people about Him. We're also to love one another. We're to love Him. All these are macro commands for us. In other words, overarching commands. Those that sign a military contract, they give up their rights and come under a common command. You ever seen basic training? Razors, zzz, zzz, you know, all this stuff. How was my sound effect there? Was it good? <laughs> but basic training is really saying goodbye to do as I please and hello to do as I'm commanded. That's basic training. Even though people have different roles. Some will say, oh, I'm going to be in telecommunications. I'm going to be in engineering. I'm going to be over here in logistics. Different roles, but there's a common command structure. Everyone gave up their rights there. And as believers, we also have different roles and different callings. In Ephesians 2.10, we have the common command, but we have different callings too. Ephesians 2.10 for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I didn't know when I was born in 1969 that God had prepared that when I got to be in my late 30s, he'd call me to be a pastor. I didn't know that was coming. The Lord knew it. But we're called to walk in it. But you may have a different individual calling, but we all have the same common command, right? But going back to the definition of duty, we have an obligation to fulfill something. Jesus said, do these things. You're my disciple if you do these things. Martin Luther expresses the paradox of our freedom in Christ and our duty in Christ. And to him and to others, he says this. A Christian is free and independent in every respect, a bondservant to none. A Christian is, dutiful, is a dutiful servant in every respect, owing a duty to everyone. That's a paradox, because they seem like, hold on, if I'm totally free, that means as an American, I can do anything I want all the time I want, binge as long as I want. It's all about me because I'm free, home of the free and the brave, right? But in Jesus, your freedom's not that. You're freed from bondage, but freed now to serve. You have a duty to serve. Duty comes with surrender to Jesus. Once you surrender, you realize, oh, he's given me a stewardship. I have a duty to fulfill. It's our duty because we now belong to Christ. We now have family responsibilities. I'm talking about the family of God. We have family of God responsibilities, and we have will of God responsibilities. The will of God inside the family of God. This was expressly stated in 1 Corinthians 6.20. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, 
which are God's. We belong to the Lord. He makes our schedule. He makes our schedule. Is he making your schedule? Are you in charge of your schedule? He's given us a duty to labor in body and in spirit in his vineyard. To serve him in a leisure-driven, entertainment-driven society, it's constant bombardment, leisure, entertainment, leisure, entertainment, leisure, entertainment. And God says, you have a duty to serve me. Paul Washer said this. He has a way with words. He said this in a men's conference. Men, you were not born in a culture or generation that creates strength. He's talking to men in right now in 2021. You were born in a culture and a generation that has sought to create nothing but weakness in you. Lack of conviction. Lack of ability to plant your feet. Stop playing games and give our lives to God. His mercies, his kindness leads us to give our lives to him. The disciples had given their lives to Jesus. They had all, given their lives to him and they are saying, give us even more faith. They had already given their lives to him. Duty is planting those feet. Planting your feet. If I wasn't the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Richmond, I can promise you if this is the church that God called us to, and we've only been in three churches since the day we got saved. We got saved at Calvary Fort Lauderdale, moved to, uh, no, four. Uh, moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. We're at Central Church of God because there was no Calvary Chapel there. When we moved there, there was no Calvary Chapel, so we sat under Loran Livingston, who, by the way, re watch his August 22nd, 10.30 a.m. service but make sure you're not driving. You will get lit up, uh, but in a good way. Um, but uh, August 22nd, 10.30 a.m. service. I sat under Loran for a couple of years there in Charlotte, and then we went to Little Calvary Chapel, Charlotte, when it launched, and uh, then we came here to Richmond. We've been at Calvary Chapel, Richmond ever since, and, and God drew me here, not me knowing that I would end up pastoring this church. But even if I wasn't the pastor here, I can promise you this. I would be here today to worship. Doesn't make a bit of difference. I did it before I was a pastor. I'd be here to worship. I would be here to serve. I'd be part of the fellowship. My wife, who's normally sitting up here, she's over there working in the toddlers, which is where we started out many, feels like eons ago. She's over there working with the toddlers, trying to get them to sing songs. <laughs> but they don't want to give up their Play-Doh and snacks. But anyway, <laughs> your, your song versus Play-Doh and snacks. Not, not a good draw there. But anyway, I'd still be here. I'd be here every single Sunday unless I was sick, unless it was an emergency, I was out of town for work, or a periodic vacation. That's not the American church today. That's not the American church today. It, God doesn't set their schedule. They set it, and they basically float it up to God and say, sign off on this. And this isn't legalism to tell you that that's not the duty of the believer. This is not legalism. I'm telling you, the spirit of God is the same yesterday, today, and the first Sabbath. He said, six days shall a man work, the seventh day rest. That rest, that covenant, that first covenant, that the seventh day they would rest, which was the Sabbath day, was not only a rest day, but a holy convocation. They would come together. You can read about it in Leviticus. They would come together as a holy convocation. It was not just a rest day. It was also a worship day. And it wasn't optional. It was their duty to follow it. God had given it. He was the one that sets the command. Everyone's under the common command structure. And then in the New Testament, they wanted to meet, because they had the Holy Spirit, more than once a week. Now, I'm not even saying that that's required. We've got brothers and sisters in places like India who literally can only get to church one day a week because they walk 20 miles. And it's not even feasible for some of you here that are doctors or a fire department. or this. Again, that, that can be legalism. But the point was that God said, my people will always be dedicated to getting together at least the once. At least the once. Amen? Amen. That's, that's God's way. In, it's in his word. But in this New Testament, as the Spirit gave them this compelling desire, they would get together even more. And it was a response of gratitude and responsibility. In other words, it was the least they could do for Jesus saving their soul. 
The least they could do, the least I could do. Again, my serving as a pastor, sometimes it has liked to kill me for real. Like I, I can, if I hear other pastors, like I, I know what they're talking about. On the other hand, if that's what God wants me to do, thus I must do. And you, thus you must do whatever it is that God calls you to do. It's a responsibility. But the least we can do if Jesus saved our soul, amen? Because this life is nothing but a very short vapor. Not here too long. This is why Paul wrote to the believers in Rome. Now remember, Rome was just like modern-day America. We got circus. We got, hey, you want to go watch Christians get killed? That'll be fun. You know, that, uh, that kind of stuff. Like all kinds of fun and drunkenness and sexual immorality and everybody had nice clothes and leisure time and circus and bread and all these things. And Paul writes to the Romans just like you'd write to us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to the Lord, not to the Roman culture, to the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable service. We've talked many times about this verse. The word reasonable means logical. It's logical. If Jesus said, I'll give you eternal life, you give me your life back. Right? I give you eternal life, you now surrender your life to me. Again, that bought with a price. It's reasonable, it's logical, it's rational to serve the God who bought us with his blood. I told the first service, you know, if somebody, if somebody that I didn't know paid off our mortgage, bought me not just two new cars, but since I have three daughters, five new cars. Um, five new cars, paid off the mortgage, paid for all their college, made sure I have health care till the day all five of us die. Uh, here's your 401k. It's stocked. It's full. But I'm asking you this. Would you please walk our dog once a week? And I'd say, I don't have time for that. There's other things I've got to do that are really busy. That gives you a little bit of... That comparison to us, to a mighty God that saved us, doesn't even wash. And yet Christians really blow God off constantly. But think that they don't. Yeah, I feel like going to church. Don't feel like going to church. That's the New Testament legalism, Old Testament, whatever. No. Living sacrifices. It's reasonable. It's our duty. And not just Sunday worship, but... If you read the rest of chapter 12, the rest of Romans 12, you know the whole rest, not the whole rest of the chapter, but most of it is about serving one another, loving one another. You've got to actually get involved in each other's lives and serve and love one another. And Jesus, back to Luke 17, we're kind of going back to these passages here. In, in Luke 17, remember in the fifth verse, we read it before I started teaching here, they were asking Jesus to increase their faith. But if you go five verses down from the fifth verse, you get to verse 10, and you see Jesus respond to them with these, what we might have thought, unlikely words. Jesus says to them, So likewise, when you have done all these things when you are, which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Jesus is not building their self-esteem, apparently, here. He says, when you've done everything I've asked you to do, here's what I want you to think of yourself as, unprofitable. Which is the opposite of America's, you need to affirm yourself. You're, you're amazing. You are awesome. You should put more selfies of yourself out. You are that great. Right? Now, Jesus said, when you've done everything I've asked you to do, you just say back, I have been unprofitable. That's why Paul later writes, but I prayed earlier, that even, he's like, even in me, nothing good dwells. Even our righteousness is filthy rags. In other words, but Jesus is telling them, they have asked in verse 5, increase our faith. And then Jesus doesn't say, all right, to do that, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer three times a day, and all of a sudden your faith will be there. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I'm just going to do it. He says, you need to do the things I've asked you to do, 
realize you're unprofitable. In other words, Jesus is saying that that increase in faith that you're praying for, it starts by simply doing that which you know you must do. It starts by simply doing that which you know you already should be doing. I think the Lord's calling me to start ministry. I, I've literally had people over the years tell me, I think the Lord's calling me to start ministry X and Y. Say, I hardly see you. How could the Lord call you to do that? Right. You've got to do the things God's already told you to do before the next things he perhaps has called you to do. Now, our duty is not the end of the story for believers. Jesus wants more from us than our duty and even more for us than just faith. Second point and last point this morning. Delight is powerful. So, yes, duty is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. I, I'm glad I have responsibility. Responsibility has kept me being a better husband, a better father, a better citizen. A be responsibility is a good thing. When you embrace the duty God's given you, also you can think of it as stewardship. I've been given a stewardship. When you embrace it, it is a good thing. It's a good thing to be held to account on something. That's what we call about having accountability to one another. We have a duty to one another, but back to Martin Luther, we have a duty to each other. But duty can only take us so far. God wants us to not just have the duty of the things that he's given us, but to delight in them. Going back to Psalm 40, Thinking, you don't have to turn back there, but if you think back what we read in Psalm 40, where it said in verse 8, David says, I delight to do your will. But if you read the whole chapter, starting with verse 1, it opens with David, and you've probably read this passage and didn't even realize, a lot of times this happens to me, and I've read the Psalms many times, I'll forget that this verse and this verse are in the same psalm, and they're ones that everyone knows, and they're actually in the same psalms, but they might be separated by like 10 verses, and there's a lot of context within the missing gap there, right? So David starts off in Psalm 40 and says he's patiently waiting on the Lord. He's literally crying out, and in fact, he's in a horrible pit, he says. A horrible pit. You ever been in a horrible pit? Yes. Maybe you're in one right now. Maybe someone online is, is in a horrible pit. Maybe a situation that is wringing your guts. Our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan are really in a horrible pit. But it can be literal, like Joseph, literally thrown in a pit, Jeremiah, in a pit of human waste. That would make me want to give up. But Jeremiah was ended up lifted up out of that. But our decision, our decision to walk forward in the Christian life, our decision to walk forward and say, yes, Lord, I receive and accept the duty you've given me, will be met with you. Anytime you say, Lord, I'm going to receive this stewardship and the duty, I'm going to walk in it, it will be met. I'm forewarning you, and many of you already found this out. It'll be met at times with disappointment. It'll be met at times with despair. It'll be met at times even with danger. It'll be met at times with doubts. If you're an American, it'll be met with lots of distractions. Lots of distractions. We all have a, a range of ADD now. Ever since, thank you, media phones and all these other things, right? You know, I would love to go back to quilt. Maybe someday, well, be careful what we ask for. We, <laughs> the, grid, the grid could go down and we are using feathers again, you know. Uh, here's your inkwell and here's your, you know. That could happen again in our lifetime. And we won't be laughing then if it happens, but nevertheless, we have a lot of distractions today. And it's caused many to drift away from serving the Lord because they're just so distracted. But other people, they're not serving because they're afraid. Or they really have fears. Or I'm not, I'm not capable of this, that, or the other. But if you're surrendered to Jesus and the, and the commitment of duty is something you have embraced, which is what a disciple is, and it's present in your life, you can expect some times in your life of crying out before the Lord. You can expect it. Sometimes of discomfort, sometimes of pain, some real irritation along the way. And if you're young, bad news, it'll come eventually. David didn't hide it, he wrote about it. He wasn't hiding it. But that's part of the transformation of our faith, amen? 
that we actually have to go through something. Smooth sailing doesn't require any faith. There's no faith required if there's smooth sailing. None. Anybody can have faith when everything is perfect and there is no issues at all and the money's rolling in and the fun times are rolling in, but David didn't always have that. He had times where he was running for his life. Any believer can exercise a faith that requires no coming through the pits in difficult times. But David's pit becomes his prayer of faith because when we get to verse 8, by the time we get to verse 8, he says, I delight to do your will. That's very different than I'm crying out from a pit. Later, he has a praise song in verse 3. You can see that he's put a song in his mouth. But his faith and his duty of commitment becomes, it ultimately comes delight. It becomes his delight. And by the way, Psalm 40 is also messianic. There's a lot of passages in the Psalms that are messianic. They're pointing to Jesus. As it points to Jesus, um, in Isaiah 53, we know Jesus is called what? A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. But he'll also, Jesus will be the only man, the only man, all of you guys are with me, we're called to delight in the will of the Lord, but Jesus was the only one to ever perfectly delight in the will of God. Amen? Jesus was the only one to perfectly delight in God's will, all the way to the cross. But have you ever wondered, and I'm sure that you have, and I know I have, have you ever wondered why Jesus doesn't just drop into our spirit? Like, I mean, just, you ever seen Star Trek and this beam thing come down? Why doesn't he just drop into our spirit unwavering faith. I mean, he just drops into our spirit this faith that never doubts a single thing ever again, not even for a millisecond. Why doesn't he just drop into us, why didn't he just drop into us constant joy? That we just have joy that not even a second is even moved. Why don't we have continuous delight? Why don't we have total courage the kind of courage, like Peter said, go ahead, crucify me upside down. He didn't always have that courage. Why doesn't he just drop all that into, why doesn't he just give us a full tank once that never dissipates ever at all, and we don't have to go back to the fountain day by day? Well, it's been well said that many of the Psalms will make no sense to you until you've walked some of them out. They will not make many psalms. You'll read, oh, that, 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 that's weird. You know, get, you know. Then you go through it and say, Psh, re and it's like, hold on a second. Did that, just, that feels like my life. Yeah. You have to walk them out. The scriptures tell us we've been saved to work out our salvation. We don't like to hear that, but it's true. Jesus said, no, I'm not going to drop it all in there. In one shot, you're going to have to work out your salvation. You have to walk the sandals out. And, and, and remember in the wilderness, the sandals didn't wear out, but they had to walk them to see that they wouldn't wear out. They didn't know that all the time. They just kept seeing, well, God's provided another day, another day. We have to walk out our faith. We have to learn by doing. We're disciples. We're students of the Lord. We Jesus said, learn of me. Learn of me takes time, doesn't it? Yeah. It's not a one-time deal. In Psalm 37, three chapters back, verse 4, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. God's like, I'm going to change your desires and your delight, which is good because we need our desires changed, don't we? Amen. Before Jesus, your desires are, I want to be a billionaire. I want this. I want to be taller. I want to be good looking. I, and I gave up on all of that. <laughs> My wife says she got it all with me, but that's just... <laughs> But that's her thinking, anyway. <laughs> but duty, speaking of marriage, duty, duty is us taking our wedding vows. Think about all of you that are married. Duty is taking our wedding vows before God and taking them serious and keeping them and loving our spouse and serving our spouse because God commands it. That's not a bad reason. There's a better reason I mean, not, not a better reason. There is an addition to that reason. Anything God commands is a great reason. But you don't want to love your spouse only because God commands it. 
Delight, rather than just duty, is doing it year after year to the place that you then love your spouse more and more and begin to experience a new depth of joy in that relationship that supersedes the original duty, the vows themselves, for richer, for poorer. So there is a delight that is, the duty is still important, but the delight gives it a force multiplier in our life. More delightful over time. George Mueller, a man who was known for his faith, he was known for his radiant joy, he was known for just his sacrificial giving to people. He said this, he said the revelation, in the, he lived in the 1800s there in, uh, in England, the revelation which has been pleased to make of himself in his holy word, I believe this revelation. What a, just a simple statement. I believe this revelation. I also have known from my own experience the truth of it, and therefore I was satisfied with God. Do you realize why some, so many people are miserable Christians? They're not satisfied with God. They want something else. He said, I was satisfied with God. I delighted myself in God, and so it gave me the desire of my heart. The longer he served the Lord, his desires became godly desires, Christ-like desires. He was a genius. He could speak, I don't remember how many languages, five, six, he speaks multiple languages. Um, originally spoke German because he was German, then he spoke Hebrew, then English, and then French, and then Spanish, and he was just brilliant. He could have made a fortune in anything he chose to do. And matter of fact, he did have a fortune that came into the ministry, but he kept giving it all away because people so believed what he was doing. I mean, he was the only one that had the heart for these kids off the streets and then rescued instead of hundreds, then it became multi-hundreds, then it became thousands of kids that they rescued in orphanages. But all because he delighted in the Lord, God worked powerfully in his life. And God worked powerfully in his life and his joy was radiant. People that ever met him said he was always such a joyful man. He would write thousands of thank you notes. If people gave him a penny or 10,000 pounds, he would write a note to them. But at the age of 70, at the age of 70, George Mueller decided to hand the orphanage over to his son-in-law and all the operation, which was a huge operation by that time. He was known all over the world by guys like D.L. Moody and Charles Spurgeon and all them. But then he, at the age of 70, traveled 200,000 miles over the next 17 years, visiting 42 countries, preaching, giving out Bibles, and telling people to believe in Christ and rely on God. Wow. From the age of 70 to 87. Wow. That's powerful, isn't it? Yes. Because he just said, I believe God, and was satisfied with God. And God says, Moses, at 80, you'll live to be 120. Those that believe in God, God will do delightful, big, powerful things beyond it. And it may not always be something that big, but far more than you and I think God would do. Amen? Amen. Our expectations are down here because our, our love and commitment is down here. In Colossians 1, 10 through 12, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. And when you see patience and long-suffering in the same sentence, and joy is the caboose, you know joy has incredible power in our life. Amen? Because patience and long-suffering is not easy. But joy makes you, you know, Flotation device that the Coast Guard gives out. They don't give up the blow-up kind. You know, they don't, that's not what you get. That little pinprick, gone. You get the ones that don't deflate. They're buoyant. Joy is the buoyancy in the person who accepts the duty, but says, Lord, I accept the duty, and then I, Lord, I'm going to do it in delight. As I bring this to a close here, um, this passage I shared, I did, I did a whole message on it like two years ago, but the ver Lord reminded me of the verse again this week for a number of reasons, personal, this ministry, the church, whatever. But uh, I wanted to, to kind of close with this verse and a couple thoughts about it. I believe that everyone listening to me, whether you're online, 
that, that you want to grow in faith. You're, you're here today to some degree because you believe that this book is essential to your life. And it's faith comes by in hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I also believe that there's, in all of us, there are things that God says it's time to move forward and put the duty into practice and to do it with the joy and delight of the Lord. Amen? Amen. And this verse, I love it in Deuteronomy 2, 3, spoken to me many times earlier, you have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward. There may be a, I don't know what mountain you're skirting this morning. We all have mountains that we need to stop circling. Could be apathy, could be fear, could be procrastination, could be distractions, could be doubts, could be excuses, whatever it is. We, we need to willingly accept the areas of duty and say, Lord, you've given me, this is a duty. Man, just let's be Americans that say, I'm not sick, I'm going to be at church. I'm just going to do that because we're the sheep of this pasture. I'm going to go and worship the Lord. I'm going to go serve because not be, you know, when I first started serving toddlers, it's not, it was not my gifting. It's still not my gifting. But I would do it. And we need your help to do it, all of you. You know, those you, but other areas, again, whatever, who's ever, there's so many things that God's saying, go forward. You have a duty to me, you have a duty to others, but do it in delight. So how do you do that? I mean, I want to bring that last point. How do you, I, well, I want to delight in the Lord. How do I delight in the Lord? I can't just magically wave a wand. That's why the disciples were saying, increase our faith, right? I can't just do it. I can't even just build my own faith. Here's how. You need to pray it say it, and then obey it. You need to pray it. The say it is the scripture itself. Lord, I need your help to delight in you. I need your help to take the step of faith. I need your help to do what you've asked me to do. Lord, your word says, say it. Your word says, and then lastly, obey it. Then you just got to li literally, with, with your knees knocking and your every bit of your flesh saying, don't do it. It's like people that finally say, all right, I'm up here, I already paid the money, and they say I have to jump out of this plane now. <laughs> finally, someone has to do this, you know, and you got to do it. Pray it, say it, and obey it. Amen? Amen. Move northward. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you again that your word is true. Just like George Mueller, we can believe it and we can be satisfied in you. Like David, they're not special. They're all in heaven now, but Lord, David learned to, from the pit, pray it, to say it back to you and to obey it, Lord, and just delight in you even when you, we don't feel like delighting. And then, Lord, after we do, you make it spring forth from the work of the Spirit in us. And those steps of faith come, and the delighting comes. And then, and Lord, it's cyclical, and the delight leads to more faith, and the faith leads to more delight. And, Lord, there's that joy, there's a buoyancy in it all. And, Lord, we need your help, but, Lord, help us to not be held back by our own flesh, but to take these steps. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite, uh, this is uh, the other part of the service. We've got about 15 minutes left. I want to invite these gentlemen up. And I had mentioned a while back, we did this. You guys going to grab this too? Yeah. This is going to keep my knees till 70 right here. This thing right here that, that I'm standing on. This thing is awesome, by the way. Uh, we have one in the kitchen where the sink is. You got it. Same, same principle. So uh, I, I recommend them everywhere. So I wish, that, I wish that the streets were made of this stuff, actually. But uh, so we, we did an off-site uh, back in... Let me share one more here. We did an off-site in Lynchburg back in July, and uh, we took all of our elders and our deacons 
and their wives and me and my wife and uh, spent two days praying over things, planning over things, discussing things, looking at where our gaps were, what are we doing well, Lord, what are we not doing so well, where are we dropping the ball, where are we running pretty well with the ball, uh, where are we not really discipling in this area like we should, how do we regrow this, the pandemic took a chunk out of this, how do we, how do we get the, the seesaw back over here on that kind of thing, all of that stuff, I mean, just uh, for a couple of days of doing those things, and also just a fellowship, and um, I'm the only full-time paid staff person at CCR, and I left my former career in 2012 and have been fully you know, taken care of by the church ever since then, and, but all these guys still have full-time jobs. We have Dr. Russ and medical doctor, Scott's in project management, Mark, social work, Tuan, IT management. Well, Zach's the only other one. Zach is here still on furlough and, and has, like myself, been full-time Christian service on the mission field there in Southeast Asia. But uh, all the other deacons, Montel's not up here, you know, uh, Randy, who oversees our children's ministry, is not up here, and Brian, I think you're over there. Yeah, they all, all full-time jobs. And so even for do the offsite, they had to take off time from work. They literally were taking their own vacation days, their own time, and they're, they're not getting paid for this and everything else. But I really appreciate that they did this. And a really big help to me, which is also a big help to all of you and all the other ministry areas, because we wanted to come back and fortify. And, and we're looking forward to not only finishing this year, but also what would the Lord do all the way in 2022. So I just wanted you to hear a few of their insights and takeaways and things like that you hear way too much from me uh i hear too much from me so i'll let you hear from these guys and then uh we'll wrap up and and uh then we'll close in prayer together so zach you want to go ahead and share a little bit i'm I'm zach Calthorn, um and one of the things that we really talked a lot about was discipleship and how over the last two years we really had a focus since january 2019 that's two years ago January 2019, Pastor Tim started off with this, a discipleship study, and we've really had a focus on discipleship over the last two years, and that's just the focus of growing all of us up in the Lord. We really want to see us all grow up in the Lord and know him more so that we can actually go out and grow other people up in the Lord and know him more in their, in their lives as well. Um, so one of the things that we really focused on was the four, or, or four different pillars of discipleship children, our youth, our, um, our men, and then our families. And we looked at how we want to fortify our children's ministry. We want to fortify our youth ministries. We want to fortify our men's ministries. And we want to fortify our family ministries. And doing that in, in ways with our ATG, our middle ground, our children's studies, um, our marriage nights, our um, home groups that we're going to get started, and also our men's ministries that we've done. So one of the things that we're actually focusing on is that discipleship. And that's all for the purpose of growing us all up in the Lord and honestly to add more people to the 10 that we have up here on the screen. There are men um, and women that are out, out here in, in this group right now that we believe and that we're praying for that in a year from now we'll have 15 or we'll have 20 people up in this group because we've seen you guys grow up in the Lord in a lot of different ways. And so while I'm here for the rest of the time that we're here before we head off back overseas, uh, we'll be focusing on those four different areas. And also adding in, we don't believe in a, in a top-down model. We believe in a plethora, a team-based approach. So we have teams that, that work inside of, our, inside of all the different ministries that we have. So we're also trying to build those teams into the ministries that don't have them. Um, so we're just focusing on those things, discipleship, growing us up in the Lord so that we can move out together and continue to take that good news forward. Thank you, Zach. Baby face. It's nice to work with a teenager every once in a while. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Tawan, and uh, it is my delightful duty uh, to serve CCR in the area of worship, uh, which is, uh, of course, one of the main areas, another main area of focus here uh, in the body, uh, and not only in the singing as we come together, which is awesome, uh, but in our hearts 
at home, Lord, as we, uh, as we are his children, we are his servants, and it is, this is just an expression when we come together of what we have within for the Lord. Um, but as Pastor Tim said, you know, as we went through the, the pandemic and, you know, most of you, you know, watched us uh, from home while we had a skeleton crew, um, we're now that we're kind of com coming back, we're looking to kind of revamp and rebuild and refortify, as Zach said, you know, the, the worship here uh, within the body. Uh, I am blessed to have a singing congregation. We've had other people come and say, gosh, you people sing here. And I'm like, yes, I can tell you. And, and as, you always, as you always hear me say, you all are the choir, right? You're not an audience, and we're not a band and performing for you. We perform for an audience of one. Uh, but that being said, we know that the Lord is constantly, you know, refilling and refortifying and just adding more to the body. And uh, we know that, you know, the Lord has brought people here who may have giftings and talents uh, and a heart um, and a calling to serve him in, in worship, singing or playing. And so we want to provide opportunities for that. Uh, so later on this month, uh, we'll actually be gathering uh, anyone who does have that gifting and that calling. Uh, to, uh, to discuss opportunities of being part of the, uh, the worship team uh, here on the stage. As I always said, this is the worship team. What you're asking for is a mic. And so this is what we'll, we'll go over the, the process and what we're looking for there. We also took the opportunity to just kind of really take a, an introspective of ourselves, of how we're serving uh, the new faces and so many new faces uh, I think about 40% of, of our body is people who have come and become a part of this ministry in the last like 18 months, which is just incredible. Uh, but how do we best serve and really get them involved and all your new faces involved in the fellowship, uh, not only in service, but just in the body? Uh, and we got some really good feedback um, when people come in. Uh, they feel really, really welcome. Uh, we got that feedback. It's like, wow, you guys are so welcoming when we come in. But on the flip side, we got feedback that after we dismiss service, we kind of congeal to our familiar faces, and, the, and those same new faces are just kind of left behind, just kind of looking around like, oh, wow. You know, so, so what can we do to really you know, continue to put our arms around the guests in our home? Because this is our home, as beautiful as it is, this is our home. And, and when, we invite our, when we invite people our, to our houses, we don't just open the door and say, welcome, come on in, and then focus on our family the whole rest of the time they're there. We really keep our focus and we're, we're catered to the people who come and visit uh, in our doors. And so we're looking at ourselves in that same manner. And what can we do to better serve and better incorporate all the new faces into the fellowship? Of course, you know, we get to see each other. We who have been around and we know one another, we have phone numbers, we've been to people's houses. We have each other all week long, but really when we come together, especially on Sundays, we should really have our, our, our antenna really laser focused on the new faces and how we can best serve them. Uh, for those of you who may not know who I am, my name is Mark Borak. I am one of the deacons here at CCR. Uh, it is also a pleasure to serve you. Um, I just want to reiterate what uh, Zach and Tawan just said. Uh, it is uh, uh, vitally important for us to um, uh, go the extra mile and go out of our way to, because that's a, that's a ministry in terms of those who are new and coming in. And as we go forth and we uh, in fellowship and we grow, uh, I believe that that is a, uh, something that honors the Lord and something that pleases him. Uh, I do want to um, uh, talk about another uh, ministry, uh, and also not just a ministry, but also a, a mandate, uh, which is our mandate and ministry to the lost. And by that, uh, I want to encourage everyone to take advantage of opportunities uh, for ministry to the lost. Uh, an example uh, of what we, what we offer is the two-by-two two ministry. That ministry takes place every third Saturday at 2 p.m. I'm working on changing it to perhaps the second Saturday to make it easier, two-by-two-by-two. By two by two. Uh, but, um, 
maybe we'll get there. Okay. But what that ministry does is, is uh, it reaches the lost. And we have a drive-through prayer. Uh, we're on site. Folks are praying. And we have a team at the same time for one hour that goes out and shares the gospel. Jesus said, you know what, to his disciples when he was in Gethsemane, would you not pray with me for one hour? And so, you know what, I know what's uh, going through your mind. Oh, boy, oh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm nervous. And uh, guess what? You're in good company because when I go out uh, and I minister and I pass out a track, I am nervous. Okay? I am afraid. And, you know, what, what goes through my mind is, you know what, boy, I don't want to be rejected. But you know what? You need to recognize that they are not rejecting you, that they are rejecting Christ. We don't save anyone. It is the Holy Spirit Amen. that does it. Amen. And so God can use you, but he can't use a mouth that is closed. Mm. He can't use that. Jesus is the door. And, you know, are you willing to be the key to open that door? That's the question. Uh, there is an outreach uh, opportunity that's coming up in October, at the end of October, called Oktoberfest. And so if you want to start off maybe small, uh, that's an opportunity. It's going to be face painting and a lot of opportunities to the community. We want to let the community know that, you know what, there is a beacon of life, that light that stands for Christ. And so I just want to encourage everyone to get involved. Well, hey, good morning. Uh, for those that don't know me, my name is Scott Welch, and uh, my wife, Julie, and I head up the, uh, the high school youth group called Against the Grain, or ATG. Um, and so this offsite was really perfectly timed. Um, you know, as Pastor Tim mentioned, most, of, if not all of us, are, are you know, we're full-time jobs, and we're a full-time volunteer army. So we don't get a whole lot of opportunities to sit down and go deep on, on a lot of things with everyone that's involved. So this allowed us the opportunity to look at immediate needs and plan for future as well. Um, you know, we spent the time, how can we, with the time remaining in 2021, really encourage the kids um, and disciple them because they need that. In, in today's climate and, and, and what we see going on, they need the word of God and they need an anchor. Um, and so, you know, between children's ministry, the middle school youth group, and the high school youth group, um, it allowed us to take the time to plan. Because, you know, Sunday mornings for children's ministry and, uh, and middle school youth group and high school youth group, we don't just show up and figure out what we're going to do. We actually plan and pray over the word and look at what God wants to teach the youth. And, and so... You know, what it allowed us to do is, is do that, do that with team members, because um, in this time period, you know, ATG is a team-based approach. So it's not just Julie and myself. It's Mark and Irene and Brian and Melanie Misson that link arms and rotate, and we teach. Well, the middle school youth group, middle ground, is going to be doing the same thing. And so Montel and Liz headed up, but they've got other couples that are coming alongside them to do the same thing. Nettie and Anthony Howard, you know, Zach and Lee Cawthorn, and Randy and Tasha West who aren't here. But it allowed us to talk through much of what comprises a youth group, what God would have us do in a youth group, um, what does the Lord want us to do in children's ministry. And, and frankly, you know, things like that are already bearing fruit, as was mentioned in, in the announcements this morning. You know, children's ministry is wide open now. We're wide open throughout. For anybody and everybody, bring them and, and be ministered to here as parents, and your kids are going to be ministered to there. You know, but as parents, it's your job to disciple your children. Amen. We are coming alongside you and helping you. Um, so it allowed us to really go deeper um, this time away that was set aside and be purposeful in teaching and what the Lord would have us do in each one of these ministries already bearing fruit. If you drive a manual, middle, the middle school youth group, you know, the clutch got pushed in, they're in first. ATG, we're like in sixth gear. So we're all driving, and it's awesome to have it happen. And now the children's ministry is fully staffed, and we're rolling. It is a, a beautiful thing to see, and we're extremely excited that all of it is now moving forward. Amen. 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 
Afternoon, I'm Russ Ernest. Uh, this will be brief, but good to see you all. It's great to serve the Lord together with you, um, as Scott and, and all these gentlemen mentioned. Um, you know, we used to go away and do off-sites uh, once a year at least, but it, we had a several-year break from doing that. And it's so important and so nice to be able to go and just focus on the things of the Lord without all the other distractions that pull at our time. So it was a very fruitful time and just a blessing and uh, I've really got exciting news overall, so we'll finish on, on this. But uh, many of you are probably small business owners and have done that sort of thing. And as you know, with like a small business or something, if you can picture a church this size as we're gr growing from a smaller church really to uh, medium-sized or a larger church, there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes. There is a whole lot to get Pastor Tim just right up here so he can preach the word, so he can focus on that and not have to do a lot of other things, a myriad of other things. You know, there's, there's green team, there's children's ministry, there's, there's so much to manage. And so we have been praying well over a year as far as getting Pastor Tim some help. And as you all know, Pastor Trevor, who is just a, a blessing and who is really, he's really working two jobs in a sense. And so he has been working um, at, at a bank and, and just project management and that sort of thing. But then he, he has really jumped in over the past several years and just taken on more and more. Sometimes I don't know how he's done it. But the Lord has brought some clarity here very recently, even at the offsite that we did back in July. We were praying, and, and one of the main objectives was really trying to figure out the best time strategically for, for Trevor to go full time. And, and just recently, the Lord has brought even more clarity regarding that. So, uh, and it goes without saying that this could change, but... But man's wisdom, we've done the best we can as far as figuring that time out. And, and just there's so many moving parts with all of this. But Zach and Lee, whom we want to bless, they've just been such a blessing working here. Uh, they were sort of stranded here, uh, unable to go back to India where they would be working full time and, and uh, doing mission work there. So they have been just filling in such a gap and it's been such a blessing. But as they kind of wrap up, likely at the end of December, then it works out well for Pastor Trevor and Dana to potentially go full-time here. And his last day would be December 31st of this year. And then basically potentially going full-time January 1st of 2022. So that's exciting. our exciting news for, for uh, Trevor going full-time, Pastor Trevor going full-time here, something that we have needed greatly in Pastor Tim. Uh, has been, you know, excited about this prospect, but it really hasn't been clear as to when that would take place. But the best we can tell right now, and as Pastor Tim, Tim said earlier, the rest of the year is just going to fly by. Once we get into the holidays, it's just going to fly by. So Lord willing, Pastor Trevor will be going full-time here January 1st, 2022. Yes, so... Uh Man, I just want to say I'm thankful, incredibly thankful for these gentlemen and their wives. Uh, about half of those wives or more, I'm, I can't put on my glasses on, but uh, more than half of those wives do flat-out deaconess work themselves, leading ministries, ladies' ministries, prayer, hospitality out there, lots of things, and I'm, I'm leaving a lot of things off the list. I know that uh, just... Just you know, your help, Lee's helping on the, the fall festival with um, with Melissa, and we've we've got a whole, we're going to have a volunteer day. I think the Sunday nineteenth after the service, you want to be involved in that. We usually have a lot of people that show up, and I think there's going to be pent up demand in our community to come out and things like that. But uh, these guys, man, they love the Lord. They don't get paid anything. They do all this to serve Jesus and to serve you guys, just because they know Jesus is coming back. And they want to hear, well done, and good, faithful servant. That's, that's all. There's nothing else to it. Some churches are way overstaffed. That's not us. We're understaffed. There's churches that have way too much pastoral staff. And, and I've had pastors tell me that. They said, we have way too much staff to the point that our people won't do anything now. Because, they oh, you have a staff. And so that's not a good look. It's not a good thing. Um, we're understaffed. Mark talked about two by two. Trevor and me. Two in 2022, and so there, there is a two by two. There is a two by two principle that is very important. God does have that, so we're gonna 
we, we all came to the clarity that God says, do not wait any longer. You've circled this mountain long enough. Move northward. So that was the Lord speaking to me. I waited too long to go full-time. These guys know it. And I got chastened a few times because I waited too long to take the step of faith. Because I like to look at the numbers. And the numbers say this. And, you know, and, and God's like, I know you like to look at the numbers. You're not going to look at the numbers. You know? So we didn't pay much attention to the numbers. It's just we're going to take a step of faith. Uh, and so these guys prayed with us. And, and they were big help with all the things that we discussed. And, and Zach has been incredible uh, help to me and Pastor Trevor. We just ordained Pastor Trevor this year. So January 1 would be kind of the full start. So. Why don't you stand and we'll close in prayer. I'd love to do a worship song, but we don't have time. So you have car radios. You can do worship. As Mark said earlier, you can do a stop and praise anytime you want. Uh, so even though we love leading and, and we shorten the worship today, we, we apologize because we have a lot of desire to see what God does with worship. Tawan and I have been talking, and, and I love what we have, and yet I believe that God has just barely started and I believe that as we continue to pray, even if we never see a full-scale revival in this country, I believe the thirst is growing outside these four walls. We have people come and say, I just wanted to hear what the Bible says about whatever's going on. So uh, keep praying and uh, pray with us. And thank you for supporting and helping us support Get Trevor full-time. We have the drop-down thing on the website. If you want to give directly to that, uh, it's all going straight to making sure that God we take the steps you've called us to do. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time this again, this morning, now this afternoon. I thank you for these men. I thank you for their wives. They are godly women. These are godly men. None of us are perfect, uh, far from it. But, Lord, you continue to use us. Thank you for our brothers and sisters that are over there serving the children's ministry right now or out there putting cookies on the table or uh, out there in the parking lot or on the security team. Those that are in this uh, sanctuary, those that are watching online, Lord, thank you for the whole family. May we accept your duty, but also do it with delight, Lord, because you've given, you said the one who's forgiven much loves much. And Lord, so you've forgiven us all a lot. We want to give our lives back as living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service. I pray your blessing on each and every person here as they leave, Lord. Uh, may your spirit be with us. May you use us as lights and witnesses. I pray you bless the ladies' prayer on Tuesday, the men's fellowship on Thursday, our 9-11 prayer morning, Lord. I pray that, it, uh, Lord, truly it, it ministers in some way that we don't even expect. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest. Oh, Scott has an announcement. Sorry. One second. I have one last announcement because ice cream is important. If you have a child in children's ministry, we have some ice cream for them. However, we need you to go get them because we're not going to give ice cream to a child we don't know can have it. So if you have children in ministry and they can have ice cream, you need to go get them so we can give it to them. That's all. <laughs>